everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Copper Science Podcast. So today we'll have with us Chris. Uh, could you please pronounce your name properly just once? Uh, Krzysztof, but I go by Chris. I've learned not to enforce it too much. <laughs> who is a developer at Zenodo, so uh, the infrastructure to share uh, data uh, in science and research. So we'll be talking about Zenodo today a lot. And since we'll be talking about Zenodo, we have with us Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for being here. And thank you for introducing our listeners to Zenodo with your episode in uh, season one. I think it's episode five. I'll have to double check. But the open notebook uh, lab scribbles. Uh, so that's how we started talking about Zenodo. Could you remind us very quickly before we get on what, uh, uh, because before we start talking about what uh, Christoph is uh, doing at Zenodo, uh, remind us how you're using Zenodo and what you're using Zenodo for. Sure. So I am using Zenodo to upload my open lab notebook on real-time basis. So we're writing up all of our, everything that you put into a normal paper notebook is written up digitally and then uploaded onto Zenodo under Creative Commons Attribution License. And then we link to that through a blog post where we use more general and less specialist language to describe the science that we're doing. Um, and this is part of my open lab notebook lab scribbles. And more recently we had a short podcast where I described um, a larger endeavor where we now have a really cool team of young researchers who are all doing this now. So there's quite a collection of open notebooks, all of which are using Zenodo. So I, I hope you'll have a lot of questions for Chris about Zenodo. So Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself now? Uh, so my name is Chris Okshishtov. I'm a software developer at CERN and I work primarily on Zenodo and also a framework called Invino, which is kind of like a general purpose digital rep repository solution that Zenodo and many other projects at CERN use. And uh, I'm very happy to work on it, and I'm very happy to hear that it's being used. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to all the you know, new data and new solutions that come in to Zenodo daily from different use cases that you know, researchers use in daily, um, daily lives of you know, researchers and the tools that they use. So I'm very happy to hear about that. So just in case one of our listeners uh, never listened to Rachel's episode and don't know yet what Zenodo is, could you go for a quick summary and tell us what Zenodo is, how a researcher can use it, what it's for? Sure. Um, so Zenodo is a place, a web platform where you can share and preserve your research. And by research, I mean not just papers, but also data, software, if, even if it's a small script or if it's a big you know, software package, uh, you can go and upload it on Zenodo and get a DUI for it, which means that you can later cite it. And it's hosted and developed, developed at CERN at the moment. Um, and that's, you know, CERN is the place where the web was born. So there's very high um, hardwired incentive from CERN to make everything open and available to the public. So naturally, you know, CERN feels like home to a project like Zenodo. So CERN, what's CERN again for someone who never heard about CERN? Right. So uh, CERN is a European organization for nuclear research. Uh, it was founded in uh, 1954, if I remember cor correctly, uh, shortly after the Second World War as a kind of a way to stop uh, physicists uh, departing to US to do physics because Europe after the war, you know, the, there wasn't much opportunities in physics. So that, that was kind of a, one of the you know, pur purposes why the CERN was founded. Uh, so now it's like 65-year-old uh, institution with, you know, long history and, uh, and a tradition in high-energy physics uh, in Europe. And 
part of what CERN does is um, also making all of this uh, high energy physics uh, data available to the public. All results or code is usually open source. So Zenodo was kind of like extension of that. But primarily CERN is about physics and the open access, open science is kind of uh, going along uh, with it. So it's a very strong kind of movement here within, within CERN about that. Rachel, as a strong user of Zenodo, do you have anything you'd like to add, like as a description of Zenodo? Uh, yeah, no, I think you pretty much covered it. Um, one of the great things I love about Zenodo is the fact that you can put all kinds of different research outputs into it, um, for the DOI generation, citation generation. Um, so that means it's like really a multidisciplinary platform for scientists from any kind of background or field of study, which is really amazing. Um, yeah. So now we know about Zenodo, we know about what you do, Chris, uh, your relation with the Zenodo. So you started talking about the history of Zenodo. That's a good point to start with. So you said it's uh, been funded by uh, CERN. It's been created, actually, and I guess financially uh, supported by CERN today. Uh, what else can you say about the history of Zenodo? When was it created exactly? How, many, how much data did it have at the beginning? Uh, did that number change with time quickly, slowly? What are the big milestones in Zenodo's life today? Sure. Uh, so if you want to go to the very, very beginning of how the idea of something like Zenodo came about, uh, that was in 2009. Um, uh, and that was actually more connected to EU at the beginning, so European uh, Union. Uh, European Union basically started a project called Open Air, and the purpose of this Open Air project uh, was to support European Union in measuring the output of uh, EU-funded research and the study of impact of the uh, something called Open Access Pilot, uh, which was basically a mandate by European Union, to, uh, which stated that if your research was funded by European Commission, which is like a body of European Union, uh, funds, uh, then you must deposit the paper in a repository somewhere and you have to make the best efforts to make this uh, open access. Now, the first natural solution was that researchers hosted their papers um, in their institu institutional repositories, but then there was also uh, cases where, you know, your researcher without uh, an institution which had an archive, right, which is smaller institutes, uh, didn't have a really place to go. So then Opener built something um, called uh, Opener Orphan Rec Record Repository, which was kind of like the, the prototype of what Zenodo eventually came, uh, came to be. Uh, Zenodo was relaunched in May 2013 officially as the Zenodo brand. And before that, it was this Opener Orphan, Orphan Record Repository. Mm -hmm. Very quickly about this brand, why the sure. name Zenodo? What does it mean? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Right. So the Zenodo comes from the ancient Greek, a man called Zenodotus, who was the librarian in uh, Library of Alexandria. And he's the first uh, recorded use of metadata, which, of course, is the landmark of you know libraries today. So we kind of like the name, like the idea, and the domain was free, so there you go. <laughs> That's a great etymology. I love that. 
So then they created the brand Zenodo in May 2013, uh, and it started like that. At the beginning, just a quick question about the number of uh, data sets you had there. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but how did it, at the beginning, did you have like one data set, two data sets? Was this only used for internal work, or did it immediately explode and there was a huge demand to upload files? Right. So some of the records, I, so to be honest, I wasn't there in the team when, you know, the very early days. But I know that the very first records that came into Zenodo in its current form were just migrated records from this initial, um, you know, orphan repository. Uh, so like a migrated, and that was I think less than ten thousand, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong on that. So initially it was a little bit of records, you know, from those um, projects that used this EC funded grants, right? So then we we took this data into Zenodo, and then it was gradual you know, increase in use. Initially, on the first years when the Zenodo launched, uh, we had around maybe 30 or 50,000 records around 2004. I'm also not sure, but then it gradually, well, actually it grew exponentially every year with a number of records and with a number of users. And that was about a factor of two to three almost. So initially we started with like, uh, let's say 50,000 records and then it grew like 100,000, 200,000 until now we have almost 400, well, 350, if I'm not mistaken. So we hope to have this growth this year. We'll see. So about Zenodo right now, what we're saying is that Zenodo is about getting DOIs for documents, uh, data sets, uh, which are not publications usually, but researchers are mostly used to uh, refer to publications. So are researchers really used to uh, getting uh, identif unique identification numbers such as DOIs for other things than re uh, publications, or does it still seem like something a little bit weird? Why would you do that? Right. So I, I guess at the beginning they were less used to as they maybe are now. Now it's kind of more prevalent that you have a, you know, you cite software, you cite data. There was actually a study in 2010, uh, I think by Opener, uh, which well, I tried to measure how many, how much data is actually stored in digital archive. Well, not even counting the DOI, but even preserved in digital archive. And that was around 20%. And I, we don't have numbers today yet, but I think they've proved significantly because now there's been a lot of movement into you know, citing data and preserving data. And also slowly we're getting into the area where we think of, you know, the, that your research output is the paper, but also the data and also the software, which basically is key to reproduce the, the results, right? So at the beginning, it wasn't probably, it was probably weirder than now, I guess. And there wasn't enough tooling and there wasn't enough common good practice on how to cite data, how to cite software. But we're slowly, like year by year, we see the improvement in, in this. So in the same vein, when you've uh, had these DOIs being generated, have you always had the options for different licensing of the data? So you can make data on Zenodo private or you can share it openly through Creative Commons licensing. Is that something that's more recent or has it uh, always been a feature? So um, I think at the, since um, since the beginning, those for sure push that everything should be open access. But we saw that there is a need for closed access records, and not just because you know somebody is shy to you know share that data, but there's like legitimate needs for closed access records where one might not want to you know share clinical trial data with with the public, right? Uh, so 
eventually that we had a couple of more like a bit more restrictive licenses one is called restricted access where you can go to Zenodo create a record which is restricted and you can request the the you know the owner of the record to give you access based on some form that you fill in why you think you you should get it so at the beginning we had i think most of the records from this you know back from this european commission mandate were i think most were open access and we kind of wanted and still do want to have as much open access as possible but we do have multiple access control features although uh, 96% I think records on Zenodo are open access so I hope people only use it when they really need it not just out of you know not wanting to share data with with the public you know Okay, I, I have a question related to uh, the, the question right before this one um, do you have to do a lot of education with researchers in order to help them grasp why it might be interesting for them to actually share other things uh, to get or, or rather to get a unique identifying number for other things other than publications right we do we do um a lot of outreach and we go to workshops uh we've recently uh, had a several here in uh, in a swiss area uh where we do in fact go and explain what is another is and why it's important because especially when you talk to well, it's, it's actually duality. If you talk to younger researchers, they want to, you know, just they want to do research. They want to do all the, you know, nice stuff. And they don't think yet of, okay, how do I make it, um, you know, how do I preserve it 20 years in the future so it's reproducible and somebody else can then use it, right? There's just that. So it's like educating the, the you know, new generation of, you know, what's also maybe less interesting parts of doing science, but equally important. And there's also, you know, kind of, um, you know, scholarly communication can be conservative at times. So you have to go and, uh, you know, talk to, to like established researchers and explain that, you know, besides papers, right, you should also um, publish inside data and software, something that maybe they weren't used to do before. So we do a little, a little bit of that, but it's not our primary, you know, um, uh, primary occupation. We, we try to have uh, the best tool possible, and then hopefully, you know, through um, through podcasts like this, and the, you know, the word spreads around, and people will get to know something more about Zenodo. That's great. So Zenodo is primarily a free platform for users, I believe, um, and that's a really awesome feature because it kind of means that you know people who come from you know less well-off institutions can still use it to archive their data but how does Zenodo keep running like what is your funding structure like are you still mainly funded by the EU right so Zenodo is a publicly funded service indeed uh, it's primarily funded by uh, by European Union via the open air was still you know part of that and as well as CERN which provides the technical um, parts so like infrastructure also staff staffing um, so those are like two primary funding sources for for Zenodo the other one is the smaller well individual grants with different partners that we have recently we have uh, a grant with um, Alfred uh, P. Sloan Foundation to deliver like a you know small piece of Zenodo and, and another service which we would integrate with, right? So we uh, constantly look out for opportunities to, you know, make Zenodo better and, you know, 
get you know funds through individual grants, for example, to to deliver a specific you know feature or another microservice or something like that that integrates with with Zenodo. So I think you said earlier that at the moment you have around is it four hundred and fifty thousand data sets? Is that all um, unique deposits? Is that correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's three, three, three fifty. Oh, so yeah. three fifty. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so how does that sort of work out in terms of actual size of data? Like, how many sort of terror or petabytes of data are we talking mm-hmm. about? Right. So at the moment, we have uh, around thirty terabytes of like unique data, like unique bits, uh, which is then further replicated by a factor of, of four. Um, to 120 uh, because we want to keep the bits safe. So you have to replicate it and you have to distribute it among different servers at CERN. And actually this is how CERN usually does business, which is, you know, they have, I think right now it's 160 petabyte, uh, you know, storage capacity. So the data that comes from Large Hadron Collider is replicated, you know, to basically re- minimize the risk of r- risk of uh, data loss or, or failure of hardware or something, so it's thirty if you look at the unique information, and but eventually it's one twenty if you want to keep it safe. That sounds very sensible. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it does. Is that are there any particular files that I'm really interested because you know you have such a diverse range of data. On Zenodo, do you have like a really popular data set that is like constantly being looked at or downloaded uh, within your repository? Or maybe just your favorite? Sure. One of my favorites uh, that I've discovered recently was that uh, there is a 3D printed um, blueprint, 3D like blueprint for the 3D printed model uh, for the whole universe that you can print yourself and basically hold in a palm of your hand. And <laughs> That's that amazing. model was that yeah, that model was generated from um, microwave background data. So basically, that's like the the model that you know you can get from reading into the mi- um, yeah, microwave background uh, data that was available. So that's one of the nice things. We have uh, some book fragments from 18th century. So we have some very old, like pictures of a very old, you know, books or manuscripts. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, use cases from software. So we have a lot of um, records which are uh, basically archived snapshots of software versions for software like Matplotlib, for example. Uh, there's something I think we did not mention yet, but what's the maximum size upload on Zenodo? Could you remind us? Sure. So it's uh, 50 gigabytes. So um, you can upload our single record with 50 gigabyte. A total data set. So it doesn't say how big the file has to be. It can be just 50 gig in one file. Uh, and so there's a limit on the, on the record, on the individual record. And if you have a use case still that you have like this 50, you know, point 0.1 or the, or 55 or something, you can still contact us and we can increase the quota, but we do it on an individual basis. And usually as a, as an exceptional case, we don't. Uh, yeah, so this is like the limit per, per record. It's not even per user. So if you have two of those records, you can still do it, right? In the, at the end of the day, we still want to, you know, stay honest to our original goal, which is preserving the data that doesn't have any other place to be, which means that if you have terabytes of data, it's likely that you also have a domain specific repository or you have funding to do it, uh, using some, you know, commercial platform. 
but we try to you know try to address every case individually and see if we can uh, we, if we can save you know data even if it's a little bit bigger than 50 gigabytes. It's really interesting how you say that you see Zenodo as having this role to sort of help researchers and scientists who are working in fields which might not necessarily have their own infrastructure. So does this mean that you have like a really diverse range of uh, like disciplines and fields of study which are using Zenodo? That's correct. Um, so actually none of, um, it's hard to classify what type of domain Zenodo holds because it holds such a variety of different domains. So we have, we have you know, physics, we have a lot of data that comes and from CERN, but also not just from CERN. We have uh, records from medicine, from literature, humanities. So we have all like records across the whole domain of, of sciences and, uh, and humanities. So we're not very uh, tailored to one towards one or another specific domain. We have, you know, at the moment, I think our biggest domain in terms of numbers is biodiversity because we have around 100,000 or even more uh, images from biodiversity literature which is stored in Zenodo but just so it happened that you know we made this uh, we found this very nice use case and the, the the user contacted us and said if they can do it we're open about it so we're not you know we're not targeting any specific domain. It's, it's all walks of science, basically. Okay, and sort of following on from that, it must be quite tricky if you have like all these people uploading data sets from different backgrounds and fields. Like, how do you create that? Because every field has different you know, file formats or you know, um, like different ways of writing things and so forth. So how do you know like if the data being uploaded is of good quality and worth preserving? Like, you know, what's your process for doing that? Right. So, um, like, we're not domain specialists at Zenodo. So, uh, for the same reason, we couldn't go with a solution that we, you know, manually verify each record for quality. So we had to find something else. Uh, but what we were believe we were good at, we were, uh, you know, good at building this platform for, for domain specialists. So they can go use Zenodo, come together and, you know, curate the, curate the data kind of, uh, by themselves. What I mean by that, we have this uh, feature on Zenodo called communities. So if you're a domain specialist or if you, you know, you're a leader of a project or some group, you can create a community on Zenodo. And then as your researchers are uploading data, uh, they can upload it to your community to kind of like collection, at which point you have a means as the community curator, we call it, it's like a subspace on Zenodo that's, you know, specific to what you're doing. Then you can curate it, you can accept it, reject it, you can review it, right? Right now it's very simple, but we're working to, to make it a bit more advanced feature. So this is kind of like self-governing, self-curating model that we have. Um, of course, we do some uh, uh, basic spam filtering. So uh, uh, several years ago, we had this um, kind of a problem that we saw that because it's open access, right? Uh, you can just go and upload a file and publish it and it's there. Uh, we had some spam coming in, like, you know, completely unrelated to research records, which were, you know, some ads or something like that, right? So we built like a very simple uh, machine learning model, which was, uh, you know, learn to classify the obvious non-research spam. So we did that and that is working and that's like keeping the, it's like, f you know, first line of defense 
against, you know, completely random data. And then there's communities, which we hope kind of like GitHub, right? I mean, sure, you can upload anything to GitHub, but you go to GitHub, you'd expect fine to quality software because the quality software surfaces up through, you know, community use and, and, uh, and like self curation model, right? GitHub doesn't really curate the software themselves. So we're kind of looking at this solution. In GitHub, we can affect, we can have stars, you know, you can star repositories yeah. or uh, I, it's not like, but follow. You can mm-hmm. follow or uh, like put a star on them. So is there something similar in Zenodo? Can right. I put a star on my favorite? Sure. So at the moment, no. Um, <laughs> maybe in the future, I'm not sure. We'll have to see, you know, every every like button, every star, every heart button, you know, that, that comes <laughs> with some developer efforts and then we have to wait would this actually make a difference or not right so i was gonna say i must say that the communities feature is probably the thing that i value most actually in zenodo because what it does is um, for people who haven't used zenodo is it allows you to tag data sets from multiple users into one kind of space um, and this kind of creates like a mini repository in and of itself so that has been like really invaluable to me to be able to share like large numbers of interconnected data sets from either just myself or from other people like very easily through like one link like you can find all of this data right here rather than having to do a search within Zenodo itself or elsewhere so that's like a that's like a really powerful tool actually and it's quite cool how you could be in multiple communities at once that's like a nice feature so right it was initially called collections which we kind of think of this that you want to aggregate records under domain and you can do have like multiple levels right because record can be you know in economics but also in this department and also you know at this group so i i'm really interested by the feature you talked about that kind of allows uh, users to uh, or you to review uh, data sets because right now there are a lot of services that allow researchers to uh, let's say make data available but very few that actually ensure that the data is reusable by other researchers and uh, reproducible meaning that you can open it and understand the content uh, and basically that the data makes sense it's understandable and reusable so i'm very curious to maybe we'll do another interview in a few months to talk about these new features and how it's going because a lot of people are working on this. What's the review process for a data set, especially since they're so uh, field dependent? How do you find a review process that fits all field? So uh, the review process that I mentioned is at the moment a very simple meaning that if you're a community curator and you see, you know, data set coming in, then you can just say reject it and say, okay, in the reject, you, you can say that, okay, this needs working, uh, you know, some improvement. Uh, but this year we'll work on extending some of the community features where you can have kind of like uh, roles so that communities can have curators which will perhaps be able to edit the metadata or supply the data set with some description, right? So it would be more of a collaborative thing, but we're not sure it, how far we're going to, you know, um, go into this. So, you know, we would probably wouldn't want to make it like a, you know, official peer review workflow that might be an overkill perhaps but some degree of like a multi-curator responsibility so we've been talking a lot about Zenodo and how it's kind of related to open science. Now the, the goal is to kind of crystallize that and make it clear what's, what Zenodo is really doing for open science. So the first point here would be what are Zenodo's principles? Because we can re- read them in your uh, website. Could you tell us a little bit more about Zenodo's principles? 
Sure. So Zenodo inherits its principles kind of from that of CERN's. And the CERN's principles are actually um, quite clear on the open access nature of the results of its work. Uh, we're lucky to be part of this because that's naturally, you know, propagates to, to project like Zenodo. So we're all about open access and making it as available to, to the users as possible. Um, well, it's because we're part of CERN, uh, we're like sub-project uh, sub of CERN, we're not a commercial enterprise. So we look at the problem of, of something that, you know, of the preservation from more of a uh, scientific uh, approach rather than commercial ones, one. Uh, meaning that, you know, because we're not a commercial uh, entity, we're not a commercial enterprise, we cannot guarantee the same kind of uh, things that commercial enterprise can, which is like service level agreements. We don't do, it, do, do this. Instead, we focus on, you know, making the best tool possible. And in a principle of open access, we say, well, this is how we do it. We're very transparent of, of how we store the data of, uh, you know, our, our development process is open, right? Zenodo is open source, all of its code, which means that we're kind of adhering to the principles of openness in our development efforts and what we do, not only the open access that we try to address as a, as a service. Uh, we try to keep our APIs open. All of our APIs are publicly accessible, which means that uh, we're not trying to capitalize on, on, with Zenodo on kind of, you know, being the place to, be, to go. Uh, instead, we say we would like to integrate and interface with any other services or platforms that are out there. Uh, so our API is open. So that means that you can build something on top of Zenodo. For example, you can have a small uh, journal if you want to, uh, if you want to use Zenodo and, and keep Zenodo as an archive for your papers, you can do it. Uh, so in the spirit of interoperability, we kind of try to enable others to build, to use Zenodo, not just as users, but also as developers. And there's this notion of fair principles. I'm not sure if you've uh, maybe covered that at some point. There was this document called the Fair Guiding Principles for Scientific Data Management and Stewardship, which basically means how should, you know, something like Zenodo, an archive or a platform, you know, condone itself to adhere to the principles of findability, accessibility, interoperability, and re reusability, sorry, which comes to FAIR, right? Which means basically, if you're an archive, you should make um, the metadata descriptive, open, and accessible to others, and interoperable with other services, and reusable, meaning being descriptive enough so that it can be re reused in the future. So. Most of our principles that guide us, our mission, are coming from those scientific needs rather than perhaps a commercial focus, so which we, you know, we don't have because we're a part of the intergovernmental organization, which is public institute, basically. That's really interesting. I think it's something that really makes Zenodo stand apart from other repositories, which... Uh, you know, when I was looking at different repositories that we were interested in using to deposit our data, I think Zenodo is the only one we found that had an incredibly clear, like almost like mission statement and philosophy. This is what we'll do with your data. This is what we will not do with your data. Um, and whereas other repositories say that, 
you know, they're currently not for profit. We have increasingly seen um, these kind of open um, science and open research platforms being bought out by for profit enterprises like uh, Elsevier and other kind of publishing agencies. Um, but you're saying that that will never happen with Zenodo. Zenodo will always be a not for profit. That's correct. Zenodo will never, you know, turn into a for profit entity. There might be ways in which you can contribute to Zenodo if you really like it. For example, we have a donation program. You can donate to Zenodo if you want and, you know, help our mission. Um, but we, because we're part of CERN and we're so, you know, tightly ingrained into CERN as a project, uh, we would, you know, remain so. And as far as CERN, CERN scientific program goes, which is 20 years in, into the future, we can hope to, you know, continue along that uh, walk and so far it's been uh, it's been going doing you know going very well and so we would probably stay in this space well definitely we we wouldn't you know turn into a for-profit company because it's basically at the moment uh, just not even required for us you know I, I have a quick question about uh, the fact that Zenodo is open source and accepts all kind of data can I really upload anything on Zenodo as long as it's research data? Like if it's re research about something controversial or something that the Euro European Union does not support or doesn't want to have research about, is that still fine? Uh, yes, the only caveat is, which is again coming from the CERN's um, convention, which is kind of like CERN uh, constitution, let's say, which says that um, in the CERN Convention, which is the you know article that was written in uh, 1953, uh, in one of the early sections on the purpose of CERN, it says that the CERN has three purposes. One is the um, doing particle physics research, like nuclear uh, physics research, and then um, providing infrastructure to to do it, right? Um, and making it for non-military purposes, which means that if you want to use Zenodo for military purposes, you cannot use Zenodo, and that's the only caveat. And finally, the, the last part of this statement is that all, you know, all results of this work, theoretical or practical, should be made open to the public, which is, again, how, how we adhere to as well. Okay, thanks for clarifying. Um, we... We talked a lot about uh, open air. Uh, you know, it's always good to see how how open it actually is. And you know, on one side, I'm happy, or let's say I'm I, I agree with the the military part. But on the other side, it's still something you can't do. So it kind of limited freedom. <laughs> anyway, uh, next steps were to uh, extend a little bit more uh, around CERN and open air. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about CERN, the constitution, how Zenodo is actually ingrained uh, inside or into the, the whole CERN uh, framework. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about open air. So you introduced it earlier very quickly. Uh, is it possible to reintroduce it with a little bit more details and exactly how Zenodo works today, not in the history, but today uh, with open air? What kind of activities, how they actually support you in the future, if there are some special plans? Or Sure, so OpenAir at the moment uh, is doing a lot of projects which still go along the mission of European Commission to you know, facilitate open access and open science. And at the moment, Zenodo is kind of like a small block in this, um, you know, research lifecycle workflow, which is the archiving. 
So basically, open air is about discoverability of research, uh, facilitating uh, citations and archiving, right? Making it publicly accessible. So Zenodo right now in this bigger mission of open air, which is the European uh, Commission's goal to you know make European uh, research um, open access. Zenodo is the the you know the, the archive. So we try to. Uh, do one thing and do it well, kind of like from Unix principle. So where the, we keep the bits safe, whereas the opener, you know, they use Zenodo as a as a um, as a place uh, where you know researchers can deposit their data if they don't have the uh, institutional repository. And opener does a lot of other interesting projects, and some of those were we're also integrating with. Um, uh, recently, there, there's been. Uh, a lot about discovering citations, so kind of like meta metadata between uh, records, right? So they try to aggregate this and make this also publicly available. And they have a lot of different projects along the along this line. Whereas we are kind of playing the role of the archive and a catch-all repository in this context of European uh, research and open access. Although, of course, Zenodo is open not just European researchers. It's we have a lot of users from the United States, uh, from Asia, so it's it's all over the globe. Canada. Canada, <laughs> exactly. That's me. Rachel, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you mentioned metadata, and actually that's a key point. Uh, it's a critical point for uh, sharing data in research. Uh, if you don't, if you have a data set and the metadata is not properly filled in, it's going to be extremely hard for anyone else to actually find that data set uh, and understand easily without having to open it and explore it, what's the content and when it was done, all these kind of informations that are not directly related to the data itself, but are kind of around this data set hidden, uh, but other computer or let's say uh, information uh, software like Google or other things can actually detect it and make it findable, uh, easy to uh, also classify, for example. So when I tried uploading, when I uploaded actually uh, some of my data sets on Zenodo, they asked me to fill by hand uh, the metadata uh, fields. So how does Zenodo today ensure that the metadata is properly filled in and it's not just something that will make the data set lost and unusable and findable by others? Right, so, so it's a fine line between asking your users to fill a huge form and be as accurate as possible and perhaps losing a user because, you know, that's not what researchers want to do is they usually don't like filling very long forms, right? Uh, and then it's kind of like a trade-off you have to establish of how easy you make it and how accurate and rich metadata you can acquire. Uh, you know, in ideal world, the metadata uh, acquisition would be done at the much earlier stages than depositing your data on Zenodo, meaning that throughout the... your production of, uh, you know, research output, you use some software, you use some tools, you use perhaps like a reference manager, all of that could interface nicely to kind of enrich your, uh, your research artifacts with metadata throughout the whole process. And at which point, you know, um, pushing this information to Zenodo would be automated and wouldn't be such a burden. Uh, at the moment, we're not there yet. Uh, we're trying to make it a reality, but uh, right now we uh, we had to settle on, on this trade-off, which I said before. So, 
how how rich we want to metadata to be versus how easy we make we want to make something to be uploaded on Zenodo. And we kind of settled off on the lowest entry barrier, uh, namely that if you upload something to Zenodo, you need uh, to provide some very basic information such as title, description, authors, and some licensing information, which is basically the minimal information required to uh, generate a citation. I mean, if you put something to Zenodo and you get a DUI, we expect that, you know, at least you should be able to cite it. So that's the minimal amount of information we have to get from you to, to achieve that. And apart from that, of course, the, there is much more options for metadata that you can put on Zenodo. Uh, so you can be as verbose as you want and you can go back to the old records and, you know, supplement that. Uh, to some degree, we try to automate it. Um, perhaps I'll have a chance to talk about our GitHub integration, kind of facilitate. So we have an integration with GitHub where if you have a GitHub repository, you can very easily with just one click link your account, Zenodo account with GitHub account. And then on the Zenodo page, you see list of your GitHub repositories and you can cl- just one click all repositories that you want to keep, uh, like want to archive, uh, which means that every time there's a release on GitHub, we fetch the zip of this uh, snapshot of this software and put it on Zenodo as a record. At this point, we of course have access to GitHub API, so we can you know, read a title, get a description, get a list of contribu- contributors. So wherever we have access to data that we can fetch and automate and, and get from other sources, we, we try to do it. Uh, but for records that you upload yourself, you, you have to fill a, a basic information, basically. So it's, it's quite interesting that um, when you're logged in, I mean, you can log in quite easy with like your ORCID or uh, just an email address, but it seems that you can actually make someone an author of a data set through the annotation without them necessarily knowing. So has this ever been an issue for you guys that um, reposit, deposits are being done in without other the people knowing that this is being done in their name? Or is there any kind of like uh, checks and balances in place for this? So we haven't had any reports of this being a problem. We just trust that, you know, uh, so when you fill in metadata in a creators, you can put an ORCID, right? That's what you mean, which kind of, you know, narrows it down of which John Smith you meant. Uh, so then, you know, would there be any issues with any mistakes or or any of somebody, you know, putting some somebody somebody incorrectly on purpose so we haven't had this problem yet uh, and but you know you can abuse metadata in many other ways i mean uh, you can uh, link to some like in this in case of the spam somebody used metadata to just put spam and and urls to to their websites right to like inc- improve the uh, uh, search engine optimization so we're not um, scanning metadata to detect any of those uh, potential mistakes in terms of authors, or we just trust the users to, you know, that they will self-curate the records, and since they upload it, they would, you know, have all the incentive to make it as accurate as possible. I think it's a really interesting ecosystem that you guys seem to have built because, you know, there's a lot of these things where we could see how Zenodo might be abused or misused by various people, but it seems you've created this kind of trust community of people who just want to share what they have, which is really amazing. Um, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, at many times uh, in case of this, again, spam, right, we had to make a decision whether we make the entry level higher 
And then, you know, everybody kind of suffers because now you have to validate your email. You have to you upload the record. You have to wait for some of us to, you know, validate it. And that'd be such a burden on us, by the way, also to just look through all records and curate it. So instead, we thought of uh, a solution where whatever you can automate and, you know, classify and filter out, we do. And then we just build a platform for users so they can use it and they can curate it uh, themselves. Okay, so um, just moving on to the next section. Um, so, you know, obviously we discussed that I'm like a regular user of Zenodo, as are like my community of open notebookers. But what can we do to support you? Because at the moment, we're just using your lovely online software, which works really well for pretty much all of our purposes. Um, as you say, providing citations for the data sets we're uploading um, and just creating a repository which takes it all out of our hands, which is super. But what can we do to help you guys in return? Uh, sure, exactly that. So basically, please use Zenodo and preserve your research, uh, your data and software. Um, and if you're a domain expert, please start a community for your group, your university or your domain that you feel that you could take on the responsibility of being a curator of. And, you know, participate in this collaborative effort to, to curate the data and, and records on Zenodo. Um, and of course, you know, if you have a chance, spread the word about Zenodo and open science. You mentioned earlier that Zenodo is open source. So do you usually uh, rely on contributors to help you develop Zenodo or do you do everything in-house? Most of Zenodo code is done in-house. And most, and some of the Invenio code, which is like a layer below Zenodo, like 90 something percent of Zenodo code is actually Invenio, which is this CERN generic repository platform, which CERN uses for, uh, different, um, uh, uses within CERN, like CERN document server or Inspire, which is like domain specific, uh, high energy physics, uh, archive. So in case of Invino on, on this general purpose platform, we have contributors outside of CERN, which eventually means that Zenodo can make use of those contributions as well. And those are usually institutes that have a need for a digital archive or a digital repository platform. So usually we have external contributions. Of course, it's all open source. Uh, but those are from the domains of, of the communities, which already are kind of ha have a need for digital uh, platform or digital archive solution. Uh, Zenodo uh, accepted recently a couple of contributions from the outside. We don't have that many, but we, you know, we're, uh, of course, accepting uh, all contributions and you're welcome to, you know, participate and, and push a commit on GitHub to our, uh, to our code base if you, if you want. Uh, we've had actually two uh, students with the Google Summer of Code program. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or have seen it. Yeah, so we're kind of exploring on how, how we can get external contributions. This is, at the end of the day, kind of a niche, you know, product in a grand scope of open source. But yeah, we welcome all contributions if, if they, as they come. Okay, so I, I mean, I have a lot of questions about how Zenodo is going to um, move forward in the future and kind of developments that you might be thinking about making. Um, so one thing that um, we discuss quite a lot with our own data deposits and um, like uh, uploads and various things is that we want them to be as discoverable as possible uh, by people who might be interested in um, our data. 
And so we try a number of different things, which is, I mean, I try to explain to all the folks in our open notebook team that we have to be very careful for annotation so that we can try and improve how well um, our data might be found through Google by itself. Um, we do a lot of sharing on social media platforms, as well as like reaching out to researchers who work in similar fields to like share the links to our Zenodo and sort of make them aware of everything that we're doing. But is there any chance you think like Zenodo is going to be um, indexed in something like Google Scholar or a PubMed type platform or similar in the future so that there's kind of a one-stop shop where all researchers interested in particular area of science might go to find um, relevant data sets or other research outputs? Right, so um, as part of our kind of um, uh, mindset where we open our APIs, uh, we have something called OEI PMH uh, endpoint for Zenodo, which means that you can freely harvest all of Zenodo resources. Uh, if you're a if you're a you know domain specific uh, search engine or, or repository, you can get Zenodo records and index them on our site. And of course, there's a couple of things we're we're still working on. The Google Scholar, as you mentioned, being one of those. Uh, we're working with Google team to to make the Zenodo harvestable by the Google Scholar system uh, this year. Uh, we'll see how it works out, and we and that's great yeah, news. We, yeah. Well, we we hope we'll uh, we'll have it, but um, there, there's you know the Google Scholar. At the end of the day, we're a general purpose repository, whereas Google Scholar is, you know, you you it's rather focused at at papers, right? So we would have to uh, still work with them and see how how we can make it work on their side because, you know, Google Scholar wants to harvest certain types, probably publications, right? Not so much data set. I'm, I'm not sure about that yet, but... And um, so we make all the best efforts to, you know, allow anybody interested to, to use Zenodo. And in several cases like this Google Scholar, we actually go and, and try to see how they can, uh, you know, index all of our resources. That's really super. Um, so kind of following on from that, um, you know, the other thing that I'm really interested in is like, you know, we, we always talk about the value of data and research data management and sharing research outputs. But I often wonder like, well, who's actually reading any of these things that anyone puts on, you know, online? Like, you know, we all talk about the virtues of sharing and, you know, storing our data, but, It'd be really great to know who has the time. <laughs> yeah, who's actually <laughs> tracking, like, um, you know, the sort of citations and so forth. Like, are people really using it? So, are you um, interested in looking at that? Like, um, how um, Zenodo datasets or uploads are being used in kind of secondary works? Right. So, um, since everything on Zenodo has a DOI, uh, and our DOI agency is DataSite. Uh, everything you put on Zenodo eventually gets a DOI and the metadata that you put is uh, sent forward to Datasite, which means that uh, if you, you know, upload your research, uh, it goes to Datasite, which then uh, has several of nice tools um, to detect citations and uh, references across different records. They have something called Event Data, which is now... I believe called uh, Skull Explorer, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not mistaken. Well, there's two platforms for sure that, that do that. So uh, since our metadata is open and accessible, anybody can go and detect citations. Uh, but more directly, we're actually working now with a group um, 
uh, in Harvard in a platform called ADS, which is uh, domain-specific uh, uh, repository for astrophysics. And we try to build this intermediate system uh, where we could, as every time, you know, Zenodo, uh, something is uploaded on Zenodo and it has some metadata, we push it to this intermediate system. And this system can broadcast this information to other parties that are connected to it. In a similar fashion, when somebody else, uh, for example, ADS, um, when they discover a citation in their papers and they have a workflow to do that, so they, you know, um, analyze papers and try to detect citations, they can, again, push this information to this intermediary, which will get back, which eventually means that we will be able to generate a reference list uh, or like, well, not references, but the list of citations for for our records. So we're working at the moment uh, on, on, on this specifically on this project with the ADS group. Apart from that, of course, there's perhaps you've seen the alt metrics. Yeah, no, that, I've seen the, the integration of that and that's really cool. Um, I just wanted to see, um, I mean, a lot of the time now, when especially when looking at like preprint servers um, and other repositories, People are really kind of caught up, I think, in the way that we're all tuned in on social media to look at the number of like likes and shares and various other things. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's not integrated into Zenodo at the moment, but is that something that might be in the future? So Altmetrics is kind of like that, right? Because they scan the social media. So all the tweets, all the, um, I think even Facebook um, references are, are counted there. So since this already exists and it's well. It's uh, it's doing a pretty good job. I don't think we would uh, perhaps look into like you know scanning social media, but we're working on more of a like uh, hard citations between uh, records. Okay, but I was more wondering about. I think you mentioned that you're not really tracking downloads of each specific data set at the moment, or even things like page views. Like how many times someone's looked at the page where the uh, particular upload is stored. That's correct. So at the moment, um, the, we don't have that feature yet. So all of the statistics are very deeply, you know, ingrained in the server logs. So we don't have this exposed out. But uh, also in the near future, this year maybe, uh, we plan to introduce the statistics um, counting and, and display to, to Zenodo. Actually, the feature is already done. We just wait for... Uh, done on Evenio level, so this like you know general purpose framework uh, that we use. Uh, we just need to find some resources and time to integrate it into Zenodo. Cool. It sounds like every every uh, feature that I would possibly want Zenodo to add is coming very soon, which is really exciting. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> we, we we will hope to make it as soon as possible, but kind of promise or about any deadlines, because then I'll be held accountable. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I know but exactly actually, what you're going actually about. Actually, <laughs> all of those that you mentioned were pretty high on our high profile on our to-do list. So we've had them, you know, in our minds for a while already. So that's it for the interview, I think. We'll add links in the description uh, related to the different themes we talked about, also the different companies or organizations that we mentioned that are related to Zenodo or the kind of activities we talked about during the podcast. If uh, people would like to join Zenodo, uh, to join you, to exchange, ask maybe uh, questions or ask for their own features they'd like to see, they can do so at 
Zenodo, Z-E-N-O-D-O underscore O-R-G. That's your Twitter address, right? That's correct, yes. Yes. Uh, you also have a blog, blog.zenodo.org, where people can follow up on these features and other updates related to Zenodo. And you might have a mailing list? Uh, we don't have a mailing list. If you want to contact us by email, where we don't send emails, but if you want to contact us by email, you can also go to zenodo.org slash support, where you can ask a question, technical issue, or just a general, like, principles or partnership or some some question that you have you can ask us uh, there also directly so we will get it and reply to you great so now anyone listening to this episode if you have ideas or would like to learn more about Zenodo, please do so by contacting them. Uh, that's it for us. So you can join us, uh, Colper Science, the group organizing this interview at Colper, C-O-L-P-E-R Science on Twitter. Uh, you can visit our website at colperscience.com and we also have a blog, blog, uh, blog, sorry, blog.colperscience.com where you can find the extended description related to all the episodes uh, we do. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon for a new episode.